focus on this third phrase that Jesus uttered from the cross. And it's John 19, verses 25 through 27. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to his disciple he said, Here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Let's pray together as I begin my sermon. Lord, thank you for these, these utterances of Jesus from the cross that are easily overlooked and easily dismissed and yet have great meaning and power for us in that moment, but also in this moment, in this day, by the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, intersect with us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, you can imagine in that last day of Jesus' life on Good Friday, his community that he had developed and put together was totally shattered. You know about Judas, who had traded him in for a sum of money to his captors. Uh, you know that Peter and the other disciples, when it came right down to it, and Jesus was hauled in for questioning and interrogation at the, the temple courts, that they fled. They were nowhere to be found. Peter went, but, but later left because he was afraid, scared, like a sheep without a shepherd of being caught. And so we find that at the cross now that Jesus has been there and crucified and placed up between these two thieves to die a, a death such as them, a capital punishment sentence from, from Pilate, that while he is there, he utters these words to his mother, Mary, and to the beloved disciple whom we think and, and almost know that is John who wrote this gospel. And he said to them, um, plain and simple, commending them to one another that you shall be his son or you shall be his mother and you shall be, um, he was commending his mother and John to one another. I want us to hear a few things briefly this morning about these words that Jesus spoke, uh, particularly these. And the first of those is that they are words of compassion that Jesus displays. These are compassionate words that he's speaking to his mom and to, to his friend whom he loves very much, his disciple John. There was a, a Jewish tradition, and it was a code really, that in Jewish families in Jesus' time, that if something should happen to the father of the household, and the mother was left to be widowed, then the oldest son would be the one to step up and to take care of and to provide for her. And of course, Mary's firstborn, before she was even uh, married to, to Joseph or uh, engaged to him as she was expecting by the Holy Spirit, was Jesus. He was the oldest son, and oftentimes we don't think of him in this role. It means that he would have had to make sure that his mother had sufficient food to eat, means by which she could take care of the family household while he was away out preaching and teaching itinerantly in Galilee and in Jerusalem. Jesus uh, was responsible for that because of the way he had been raised and because of the way 
that times were in, in that day and age. Women could not make a living on their own. It was nearly impossible to survive unless they begged. And so we know that Jesus was responsible for making sure that his mother was provided for. And yet in this moment, when he is facing the end of his, his earthly life, he knows that his mother's greatly concerned. And so he sees her and sees John nearby, and he shares with them words of compassion and notices them in a moment when he, he didn't have to, and which we probably can't even fathom stopping to notice someone else's needs when we were in such great pain or agony. Now remember, and I talked about this in previous weeks, Roman crucifixion was a cruel and, and uh, difficult death sentence, punishment, and it was to dissuade people from doing criminal acts. And basically, being hung up on the cross, hanging by nails in your hands, your lungs were constricted. It was a slow suffocation, if you will, and very difficult to say anything, and even, in fact, breathe. And yet, in the times that Jesus spoke these seven phrases, the longest phrase that he utters, the most words that he speaks of all seven are those in today's passage where he commends John to his mother and his mother to John. I think that shows great strides that Jesus took to show compassion in, in his great moment of dire difficulty for others that that are challenged. I want us to think about that in our own lives. How is it that we need to stop and slow down and to notice others that have needs around us? It is the call that Jesus gives to us to show compassion to those that are in need, to recognize the needs of others that, that are in our lives. But I also want us to hear today that God cares about you and me and each and every person in the world. It's easy for us to, to think of God theologically or mentally, but, but heart-wise, we are always to have love for others and to know that Jesus notices our pain and our suffering and the uncertain future that we may be facing and that his compassion and concern are greater than we can ever imagine for us. That's the kind of God that we serve, the kind of God that, that has created us and and holds us and sustains us and has saved us. He loves us with compassion that is beyond compare. And I hope you will receive that today and allow that to overflow to others that are in need around you in the weeks to come. Jesus' uh, death upon the cross was not really a surprise for Mary, was it? Do you remember in, in Luke's gospel when we get those several chapters about Jesus' birth and, and about his early days. There was the incident in the temple in Jerusalem where Mary and Joseph had taken Jesus as a 40-day-old a infant to keep the tradition of having him consecrated, dedicated at the temple as a Jewish boy. And while he was there, while they were taking him there, there was an old, old Jewish man in the temple courts named Simeon. Do you remember this story? Simeon had been given in a vision by God a, a word that he would lay eyes upon the Messiah that God had promised to send before he would die. And he felt the Holy Spirit guiding him and directing him that day to this, this young couple and to this baby. And so he goes 
and he takes Jesus because he knows this is the one God has promised, and he praises God and thanks him for allowing him to meet him. But then he gives these words to Mary and Joseph that are there that, that Luke says were amazed and marveled at what Simeon said. He, he blessed uh, them, and Simeon said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will, will pierce your own soul as well. Mary knew that, that there was something about her son that would not be normal in the course of a mother watching her child grow up and to live. Usually, usually it is a parent that passes away before them having to see their child leave first. Any parent that has lost a, a child knows the difficulty of that. And Jesus knows the pain involved in that. I hope that those of you parents that have lost children hear that today, that, that this compassion that Jesus shows to his mother is the compassion he shows to you as well. Another thing about these words that Jesus spoke from the cross, this phrase today, is I want us to see the importance of family that Jesus recognizes here. He is creating a family, if you will, between two unrelated people, his mother Mary, and his disciple that has been following him and has befriended him named John. Jesus is putting together family in a way that will be for another purpose than just bloodlines. The bloodlines of this family that Jesus recognizes are is not just that of, of generation to generation, but the bloodlines of the cross, of his blood pouring down as he there takes on the sin and the struggle of the world. Now, I know a lot of us uh, in our homes, we have challenges with our own families. And Jesus said that we would, especially if we seek to be his follower. Sometimes, well, his, his word, his truth, rubs up against what, what we want. And it's, it's a humbling thing. It doesn't always go over well, uh, this idea of, of humbling yourself when dealing with others that are close to us and living with them. Uh, I've heard the old saying before that my family is temperamental. Have you heard this? That they're one half temper and they're one half uh, mental. Well, all of us are temperamental when we live together and when we're commended to one another as, as family. Jesus recognizes the importance of family here, and, and I want us to hear that we need to honor those that, that we love and God has given to us. Uh, it's important for us to see his gift of forgiveness in the cross, and it's important for us to recognize that, that even when we do not have family, that Jesus brings us together in love with other believers and helps to create for us uh, a family of faith. It's important for us to see the intergenerational aspect that Jesus is, is creating here between John, a young man, and, and Mary, his mother, older than him probably nearing 50, that we need to be mindful grandparents of our grandkids of, and parents of our kids of helping to, to mentor in faith and challenge and, and grow and display love and humility 
and forgiveness such as Jesus showed us at the cross. Jesus markets the importance of family in these words today, and I do not want us to hear that, and I want us to be mindful of that, especially uh, given this health crisis that we are in called the coronavirus, because the vulnerable among us are who? They are the very youngest and the very oldest, so we are told. And so be mindful of that. Check upon those that are, are elderly. Phone a friend, uh, someone that you are thinking of, especially someone that, that might need encouraging or may need something picked up and taken to their house because they're afraid to go out themselves. Be very cautious in doing all the things that we need to do to be healthy and not spread the virus so that those that are around us that we love will not catch something that perhaps we have gotten. These are extraordinary times in that way, and it takes extraordinary measures to show compassion and to especially be mindful of those that may be less strong than we are because of their age or development. All right, the last thing, final thing that I want us to hear from these words of Jesus today where where he says to his mother, woman, this is your son, and to his disciple, son, this is your mother. I want us to hear that Jesus cast for us a vision of what his church is called and should be. His vision of the church is that of people coming together despite their differences to be one together in him and one in his love. Now, some people have asked, and it's a, a question that comes to mind easily, is why does he call his mother in this situation woman instead of mother or even Mary? Why doesn't he call her by a more personal, gentle name? And the reason for that, scholars tell us, is because just as Eve in the book of Genesis was the first woman, which was the mother of all humanity, so Jesus is now casting and reminding a new reality of, of a world in which God's family upon the earth is not just of of an intergenerational or descending generation lineage, but one of, of a gift at, that meets at the cross that brings us together in, in his love. It's a love of self-sacrifice. It's a love of, of coming to get together despite our differences. It's a, a love that is, is welcoming and open to, to the world. And one thing that the church has to offer to the world is that this gift of grace God's love, mercy, and forgiveness is for all of the world, for those who would believe. And so when we come together as the church, and by that I don't mean just an institution and the four walls of a sanctuary on Sunday morning, but as we connect and relate with other followers of Jesus who know that he came into the world to show us God's will and God's love for us all and God's way, as we connect and work together as, as a faith family of Christians around the world, uh, we find a great power and come to grasp the vision that he has for, for his church to be the impetus to change the world from the way it is into the way that he is moving us to become, to create a new Jerusalem in his, his completion of his kingdom and coming in his fullness, he will reign upon the earth and, and transform it in a way that we so long for and desire.
it's a, it's a hope that we have, especially in difficult or dark times when we see warring and difficulties going on between people and even in our own homes and in our own community and in our own church. We know that we're called to a place of love and peace and humility. Think about that. Think about your Christian brothers and sisters and how it is that Christ calls us to a higher way to treat one another as brothers and sisters, as mothers and fathers, even though we may not have politics or family lineage or even basketball loyalties uh, to the same teams. God calls us together for greater a grander, much more powerful purpose. And he showed us how that could come to pass at the cross. There is in the Old Testament this story of the scapegoat where every year the priest, the high priest in, in the wilderness, in the, the traveling tabernacle as God's people were delivered out of, out of Egypt and in the wilderness, where they would take a goat and place upon it figuratively, and, and the blood of a sacrifice that was made for the sins of all of the people. And then they would send that goat out into the wilderness as if to say that God has forgiven our sins and they are done away with and they are no more. And we recognize at the cross of Jesus Christ that he bore the sins of the world and bore our hostilities and our difficulties and our differences between us and others so that we could live in love and in peace and in the joy that comes with that as well. So grasping his vision for, for the church as our family of faith is an important aspect of this. Well, I appreciate you tuning in this week. I'm going to wrap it up with a, a song I'll play for you. Uh, I want to encourage you and remind you that next week we're going to be doing the same thing, 10 a.m. on Sunday, uh, to try to stay safe. And uh, if you have any suggestions about how we can better uh, make this live worship service um, even more inspirational next week, please let me know that uh, in the coming days as I prepare and plan for it. Um, I'd like to pray as we, we get ready to conclude. Lord, thanks for this time that we've had together today um, in, in a, very, um, a very impersonal way and yet one that reminds us of the truth of your love and of our love for one another that you call us to. Lord, help us. Help us to be calm and sure and certain that you have us in the palm of your hand in uncertain times. Help us not give in to worry and to fear, but to instead have a, a spirit of, of joy and, and power of knowing that you're with us. Help us to be safe and smart and wise. Help us to look out for those that are in great need and show compassion as Jesus has shown it to us. And thank you for his cross and for all that he said there and all that he did there that we might live and find the gift of salvation and grace. Lord, it is a, a great honor and with great humility we uh, come today and thank you. And uh, it's in his name we pray. Amen.